0: say the game is getting old, Monday morning and your coffee's cold, life is not what you want it to be, you need Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction, my name is Jay Izzo and oh my goodness, I'm telling you this is an explosive show, this is not just a great show, this is an explosive show, this is going to blow your doors off type of show. Why do I say that? Because here's why I'm going to blow the doors off you, show, because I have Dr. Gleb Sapersky with me. Yes, Dr. Gleb Sapersky, who wrote this book entitled, Never Go With Your Gut. I don't care how big it is. Never go with your gut. And by the way, it is how pioneering leaders make the best decisions and avoid business disasters. And you know what? Here's the other little little thing he's got up in the corner. It says, "Avoid terrible advice, cognitive biases, and poor decisions." We are going to talk with him today. I am telling you, one of the best books. You know, I read. I read a book a week at least, and uh, and and interview these authors. I'm just telling you, uh, this is one of the best books I've ever read, uh, hands down. In all the time I've been doing shows, interviewing authors, uh, simply one of the best. Practical guides to helping you understand that we really do not know ourselves as well as we think we know ourselves. And uh, it's a great book. So uh, I highly, uh, we're going to talk to him. But hey, let's do what we do every week. You know what we do every week, right? We check in with you to find out in the four areas of your life. Where are you at right now? You know, I believe we're four-part people. I believe we're physical people. I believe we're mental people. I believe we're emotional people, and I believe we're spiritual people. So, on a, and so let's just talk about those things, right? On a scale of one to ten, one being miserable, ten being outstanding. Physically, if you could give yourself a number today, what would that number be, right? A lot going on, right? So maybe you're feeling like physically you're not working out like you should. Maybe you're not eating the things that you should. Maybe you're eating a little bit worse than you should. How, how are you physically on that scale of one to 10, right? Are you five? five? Oh, that's average. Okay, good. If you're A little bit over, good. A little bit under, okay, we got some work to do, right? Either way, we've got work to do. The goal here is, okay, what can you do right now? What can you change? What can you change right now? To change what you're doing physically so that you can get up to the next number. I'm not trying to get you to a ten. I'm not trying to get you to uh eat right now. I'm just trying to get you if you're six, get to a seven. Joelle is uh watching the show and listening to the show and she says she's eating everything. So she's <laughs> she she's she's already confessing, you know what, this is this is the way it is. So Joel, you know what, here we go. I mean you're we we, we see you and I don't think you're alone. Matter of fact, I know you're not alone during the holiday season when it comes to that. So what do you guys gotta change out there and and to be different and to get to that next number. All right, mentally. What are we talking about mentally here? Well, mentally, you know, we have two halves of a brain, right? We have a creative side and we have a logical side, the right side and the left side. And, And the one thing that I say about mentally is what are you consuming? What are you consuming to enhance both halves of your brain? Because, in order for us to be really healthy people mentally, I believe that we have to be able to have some creative time and I believe we have to have some logical time. And There's a lot of ways to do that, right? You, you can read books, good books, and you know, instead of just sitting in front of the TV, because you're really not consuming anything in front of the TV, they're telling you what they want you to hear. You're not really consuming, you're not really learning, you're not really growing in that area. So what are some things you could do? You know, you could take up a musical instrument, you can learn a foreign language, you can listen to really good shows like a New Direction, and uh, you can listen to stuff like that and and really consume it. Reading is such a great way to do this though. But what? How are you on that same scale, one to ten, one being miserable, ten outstanding? How are you doing mentally, right? Are you? How is? How's that working out for you? Really growing in your knowledge? How's that going? All right right same question by the way is you know okay what do you need to do to change that to get to your next number right because you can't it there's it's really simple things you know i i mean i coach clients like gleb does and you know, a lot of times, uh, simple little t- tweaks of just getting you to consume better information can make a whole lot of changes in your life. So, so you have two numbers now, right? You got a physical number, and a mental number, and then the third is the emotional number. And Gleb's going to spend a lot of time talking about how our emotions can interfere so much with what we do because we let our emotions kind of take us away. But emotionally, what I mean here is. We have two two areas basically. You'll hear psychologists will call it things like emotional quotient or emotional intelligence, but really I'm looking for two things here: is how well are you able to control your emotions, and then how well are you able to really understand and tap into the emotions of others. Those two things are really really important in terms of you know knowing your emotions. So on a scale of one to ten, one being miserable, ten being outstanding. How are you doing emotionally? How are you are you what and what are you doing? to get better, right? You know, one of the things that I think, you know, we don't do very often and we need to do is I would really recommend just Googling emotional grammar, like, There are just so many more emotional words to describe our emotions that sometimes just understanding that our emotions are not simply mad, sad, and happy <laughs> can be a real benefit to us in order to understand the little subtleties that we have in our emotions. And yes, guys, I'm including you too, all right? Because the better our emotional grammar is, the better we're able to identify the emotion. And when we're able to identify the emotion, it makes it easier for us to deal with the emotion and know how to deal with that. So scale of one to ten, one miserable, ten outstanding. How are you doing emotionally? All right, so you've got three numbers, right? You got a you got a physical number, mental number, emotional number, and then a spiritual number. And you know, I get a lot of feedback about, um, you know, I, well, some people are like, I well, I you know, I'm spiritually, I'm great. And then I get other people who say to me, Jay, I'm not a spiritual person. Matter of fact, I don't, you know, I'm not into this whole spiritual stuff. And I and I say to people, you know what? We all are really and real realistically, we all are. We try to deny that we're not spiritual people, but but we really are. And I'll tell you why that is because we all believe in something, right? And whether that's we believe in karma or nature or something, and we believe in something that you know gives us peace. You know, a lot of time people will listen to uh, music because it settles them and it gives them harmony and it gives them peace. And and you know some people it's nature and some people it's it's God. And so there's a number of ways that people get recentered. Right? And, that, and and we can't explain it with science. We can't explain it in any other way. But that, that there's that thing that just makes us centered and gets us back to whole. And what, whatever that is for you, okay. But on a scale of 1 to 10, how is it working for you? Right, 1 miserable, 10 outstanding. How is that working for you? All right. And then the same question. What do you got to do to improve it? What needs to change for you? Right, so you have four numbers, right? You got a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual number. Think of those as the four legs of a chair. And if you're sitting on those four legs of a chair and it's uneven, it it affects your posture and it's really hard to focus when you're the chair's off balance. Same way, if the chair's too low, it's really difficult to do as well, and that can make things very difficult for you. So bring all the legs up. Try to bring them up even. You know, be well balanced because you'll find out that as you're well balanced, you know what's going to happen. You're going to be a better person and you're going to enjoy life on such a much greater level. And speaking of somebody who's going to help you reach a much greater level, his name is Gleb Sapersky, Dr. Gleb Sipersky. He He's a best-selling author. He's written, of course, Go With Your Gut, The Truth Seekers Handbook, uh, The Blind Spots Upon Us, Between Us, Sorry, How to Overcome Unconscious Cognitive Biases. He is a cutting-edge thought leader. Uh, he has written, uh, was featured in over 400 articles. He's been on <laughs> 350 interviews plus on like Fast Company, CBS News, Time, Scientific America, Psychology Today. I'm just naming a few. There's a ton more. He he has over 20 years of consulting, coaching and speaking and training experience. He's the CEO of Disaster Avoidance Experts. He has hundreds of clients from mid-sized to large companies and nonprofits spanning North America, Europe, Australia, and they include some of these names that you may have heard of, you know, Aflac, Honda, Wells Fargo. I don't know. Maybe maybe you've heard of those. I probably have. It also comes from his research background as a cognitive neuroscientist and behavioral economist, with over 15 years in higher education, including seven years as a professor at the Ohio State at the Ohio State University, uh, with dozens of peer-reviewed academic publications and academic journals such as Behavioral and Social Issues and Journal of Social and Political Psychology. He lives in Columbus, Ohio, with his lovely wife Agnes, and uh, you can follow him certainly on all the social media and. Um, Get his book. It's available on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. Everybody, please welcome to the show and welcome to a new direction, Dr. Gleb Sapersky.
1: Thank you so much, Jay. It's a pleasure to be on and I really appreciate that kind and generous introduction.
0: You're so welcome. So uh so Gleb, I and it's okay if I call you Gleb, isn't it? Please. It I is absolutely okay. I hope so, because uh, I, I, I have a tendency to go do that because I figure, well, we're we're at the dinner counter. So this book, never... I don't
1: stand, I don't stand on formality,
0: please. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> Great. So the book, never go with your gut: how pioneering leaders make the best decisions and avoid business disasters. So one of the things you say in the introduction. Uh, that this book flies in the face of much of coaching that focuses uh, that focuses so much on instincts, emotions, and biased decision making. Let's just start right there. Let's talk about what people are typically getting when it comes to uh, coaching and what makes your book different.
1: People are typically getting advice that's comfortable for them. It tells them to go with their gut, go with their intuition, follow where their heart leads, be authentic. And that sounds good to people. People like hearing that. People like hearing, do what you want to do. It would be like a physical trainer, you know, at the gym saying, you know, just go home and eat a dozen donuts and relax in front of the TV all day. That's great. Wouldn't you want to do that? Or so, you know, you would be very comfortable doing that. Same thing that people are getting advice in typical coaching, typical uh, folks, you know, Tony Robbins and so on, saying, be authentic, be primal be natural, be savage. Hmm. That's a typical advice that people get. Unfortunately, it's horrible advice because our gut intuitions often lead us in exactly the wrong directions. Uh, I mean, for business leaders, look at what's been happening. Let's. I mean, we can look at simple statistics on new businesses. Looking at the business history over the last 50 years when the, these business statistics were kept, over that last 50 years, any new business that starts, any enterprise startup, Fails at the rate of about 50% of them fail within the first five years about two-thirds of them fail within the first ten years And you keep still getting the same advice of going with your gut going with your intuitions and doing what's comfortable doesn't that strike you as bad (laughs) it (laughs) Insanity, you know repeating the same thing and thinking that it will have a different effect. So that's why uh, We're kind of at the in business advice. We're the stage where in medicine We were about 100 years ago when doctors would tell you to drink snake oil and, you know, they they would put cocaine in it and alcohol and sugar and think and it would taste good and would tell, you know, feel good. Cocaine feels good for a while, but it will not actually heal your problems. And this is the same situation where we are today with business advice unfortunately and we are so medicine has advanced fortunately due to evidence-based research and right now i'm on the cutting edge of evidence-based research of how what actual advice should we give to people to make better decisions as opposed to the same decisions that caused disasters throughout the last you know the 50 years of tracked
0: numbers okay i get i just gotta say that i have never had anybody on this show and i i, I love it by the way folks, uh, as a public service announcement, cocaine will never heal you. Heal you. I'm just, telling, I'm just telling I just <laughs> I, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It will make you feel good for a short time, but it will cause you many more problems down the road. Oh, guys, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's that's great. I love that. So, y- you do make a point that this book, by the way, this book Never Go With Your Gut is uh, available at bookstores, Amazon, everywhere. Uh, it, that you can find books and by the way it's available in all formats including audio. And uh, Kindle, and it's even available in CD. Um, the the thing uh, that you say in this book is that this book, and I, I believe this, this book is really for everybody. It's not it, you. It's 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 not just for businesses. It's not. It could be for coaches, but I think this is a life book as well because you say you're going to make three commitments, and this is why I think that this is a a book for everyone. You said first of all, if you read it thoroughly and you do the exercises and you apply the strategies. You can feel secure that you'll avoid a host of potential disasters. And uh, then the second one is that you will also be truly confident and sleep soundly knowing that you will exceed expectations for everyone around you. And then the third one is you'll experience a decrease in stress and anxiety during your workday because you substantially improved your relationships with coworkers and other business collaborators. And you said that on page 12. That's a pretty bold commitment, but you really believe that. I, mean, I not only
1: believe that, but it's based on the research on these topics, on people who adopt these strategies. And you're absolutely right; it's not only for business; it's for anyone. I actually have a book coming out next April about relationships and how to apply these cogn- these. Strategies in personal, interpersonal relationships, awesome. romantic, and so on. So, talk, but that's a separate topic. So this one book is focused specifically on businesses, but decision making applies to all life areas, right? right? We need to make good decisions in our personal relationships, in our civic commitments, in our health and well-being, and of course in business, in the professional life, whether we're leaders or followers, and we're solopreneurs, contract workers, you know, working for Uber or DoorDash. All of these things that we make decisions in all of these areas every day and unfortunately the decisions we make are really bad because we've not been taught how to make good decisions right. when Someone who goes to work, they don't tell you how to make good decisions right. when you go to at Business school. I've had so many people who went to business school. Tell me why haven't they taught me this in business school? Well, right. because that's not what they teach you in business school They don't teach you how to make good decisions because they don't know this is not something that's actually out there This is based on cutting-edge research on how do you make good decisions due to Understanding what typical judgment errors we tend to make mm. and how do you address these judgment errors called cognitive biases and this is not taught and the research shows that if you actually address these cognitive biases you'll be so much better off Um, I'll give you an interesting uh, example there was a study done on firefighters so not business owners nobody like that but firefighters looking at firefighting leaders and they found the study found that about 80% of mistakes in firefighting come from human error so pure human error people make mistakes people die in fires horrible stuff But that's what happens. And then they did an intervention using three questions that all firefighting leaders had to ask themselves, three brief questions in the heat of the moment before actually sending their people into fighting the fire, distributing resources. They found that these questions greatly decreased the mistakes made by firefighting leaders. And then, I mean, they took a little bit more time to make decisions at first, but in a couple of months, they didn't take any more time to make decisions. They retrained themselves, made it part of their mental habits to ask these questions. So you compare these people who are trained on these three brief questions to make wise decisions in the heat of the moment versus firefighters who haven't been trained they take about the, they take the same amount of time to make decisions, but they make len, many less decisions. So no wonder they have less stress. I mean, they less people die under right. their supervision. Right. You know, they <laughs> less people get horribly burned under their supervision. Of course, you have less stress. Of course, you have less anxiety. Of course, you have less problems if you don't have people who you lead dying in fires. And you know, while business leaders don't lead people to die in fires. You know they can get people fired in a different sort of way <laughs> yeah and that's bad when well, people cause a great deal of suffering unnecessarily because of bad decisions by the top leadership i mean as we saw as we're seeing recently in boeing making some pretty horrible decisions on the 737 max and so on that those are typical examples of bad bad judgment errors that erase so much capital for a company cause right. a great deal of suffering Cause a lot of people to be fired and that's really bad. Something we want to avoid. So that's uh, what I work on helping people not be fired.
0: Well, I think, I think even though if it's not a physical fire, when we make bad decisions in business or even in life, our lives or our businesses on fire, isn't it? I mean, we're about ready to crumble the business down because we're on fire. I mean that. I mean you know, outside of you know, absolutely you know, uh, you know, going into complete bankruptcy, which you talk about in several cases. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, the the, the we're on fire. I mean, the relationships are dying because of the dumb decisions that we make, and that's and it's really true. I yep.
1: I, and that's what I mentioned earlier about the. Half of all businesses that uh, startups that fail, you know, we have such great uh, impressions of entrepreneurs, but literally half of them fail within the first five years, two thirds of them fail within the first 10 years because they make bad decisions. So just like you're you're saying, and people at the top levels of the leadership, it's not only Boeing, it's a lot of companies. There was a study done by Paul Carroll and Chunkamoy in Billion Dollar Lessons, really good book, which looked at bankruptcies of huge companies in the US from 1981 to 2007. And they found that there were 423 companies which had revenue of about of above 500 million that went bankrupt. What they found was that of these 423 companies, 46% of the decision making of the causes for the bankruptcy came purely from terrible decisions, bad, bad strategic decisions by yeah. the leadership, really bad le- leadership decisions. For example, Polaroid. Polaroid's a great example. It was really all the rage, you know, for those who remember, you know, shake it like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> I mean, maybe that ages me, but I remember that, you know, actually shaking sure. Polaroid pictures yeah. and having the picture come out. look looked yeah. great. Now, Polaroid was looking in the early 1990s at the growth of digital cameras, which obviously threatened its photographic film. And it found that digital cameras were, its profit margins on digital cameras would be 38%. On photographic film, its profit margins is 60%. So much better profit margins on photographic film and even though they had a great brand for digital, you know, right. snap it like a Polaroid picture, they right. chose to invest, uh, keep investing into photographic film and ignore digital. Well, guess what? 60% of nothing is still going to be nothing. And <laughs> <laughs> when the digital market, they were very clearly growing more and more popular, photographic films were not. Polaroid had to declare bankruptcy in 2001 because of horrible strategic decisions by the leadership. Compare that to Fuji. Fuji was in a similar position, much more lucrative photographic film, much less lucrative digital camera. But they understood that digital cameras were the future. about the same time, they decided to take the profit, squeeze as much profit as possible out of their photographic film, invest into digital cameras. And Fuji is still around, doing really well.
0: That's awesome. We're talking with, it is true, by the way, we, who, who does a Polaroid anymore? Uh, we're talking to Dr. <laughs> Gleb uh, Sapersky, Never go, go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the, the Best Decisions and Avoid Business Disasters. By the way, this book is available on Amazon bookstores near you, and it is a great read. And it will, uh, by the way, if it's like having a master's level psychology class on cognitive biases and it, it will, I'm telling you, it will make you really think about your own biases and how it's affecting not only what you're doing in business, but how it's affecting your relationships in life. I, I'm telling you, you can't avoid but looking at some of these. We're going to, we're going to talk about some of these biases um, right after we do this. Hey, did you know that a new direction? has a new sponsor and it is Epic Physical Therapy. And whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery or suffering from everyday aches and pains or having difficulty performing activities of daily living or maybe you're an athlete and you're just not able to perform at your accustomed level. Maybe it's just that you just want to improve the how you feel and move. Look, the elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs. With their experience in rehabbing young athletes to elite professional athletes. They understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injury. Epic Relief, Epic Recovery, Epic Results. You can learn more by going to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And of course, Linda Craft and Team Realtors, no matter where you're at in the world, you know what, for 35 years they have been helping people find the right professional or they are the right professional to help you sell your home or buy your home. Located in the Research Triangle Park, they've been literally helping referral people all over the world because they have such a major network. Here's the beautiful thing about what they do. They are independently owned and operated so they get to help people find the right professional wherever you live from the right company without because they're not part of any other company. It's their own company. and For 35 years, the reason why they've been so successful is because they are the legends of customers. Customer service. That's what they are. They have legendary customer service, and they are the legends of it. And you know what? You can find out why. They have been known for 35 years as the legends of customer service, and continue to do so at every turn. You can learn more by going to LindaCraft.com. L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here with Gleb. Sipersky here on A New Direction in his book, Never Go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid Business Disasters. And uh, you know, uh, Gleb, I, I, th- there's so much in this book I want to do. I want to talk about the eight-step decision-making model. I want to talk about the five questions to avoid decision disasters. And I want to talk about those things. But here's the thing. I know that people, uh, and because the time flies so fast, I know that people want to talk about some of these Uh, some of these cognitive biases that we have. So if somehow we can kind of make that work together, does that work for you? Absolutely works for me. Okay, so chapter one, let's just go right there. It's called, it's entitled "The Gut or the Head?" question mark And uh, the first, the first subside title is "I feel, therefore I am," which is so funny because it flies in the face, of course, uh, us psychology students who you know grew up with "I think, therefore I am." But you <laughs> you you took you took you took and changed it over here, and you talk about. Daniel Kahneman's uh, ex- research on autopilot versus intentional systems. So why don't we, why don't we, and and also Chip and Dan Health who talked about how the autopilot systems, um, the autopilot system is so powerful. So why don't you first of all describe the two systems that we're working with, so that people can understand the two systems that um, that they have in their, they have, but they're not always using. Do you mind going there? Of course, I'll be
1: happy to go there. So the autopilot system and the intentional system it's kind of replaced the old framework of freud and so on the id the superego the whatever the ego it it shows how we actually think and feel so the autopilot system is our emotional system it's the older system in our brain it's uh, associated with the amygdala and it call it's very quick very intuitive very fast it doesn't feel like we're doing anything when we react with our autopilot system. It just is. We do. We feel something, and therefore we do it. We, I feel, and therefore I am. <laughs> and what it shows, the research on this topic shows that our emotions, our feelings, motivate about eighty to ninety percent of our decisions. When we uh, per, just let things go as we let them go, the, we go on autopilot most of the time. Now, the other system of thinking, much more recently evolved, much newer associated with the prefrontal cortex this system is called the intentional system it's the logical reasoning abstract system it's the one that where you feel yourself using when you're trying to resist yourself from taking that third chocolate chip cookie (laughs) Mm. it's hard to do you have to use willpower to do it it's the system that you use when you try to get yourself to go to the gym again an unpleasant activity that you have to learn to do just like it's unpleasant to not take that third chocolate chip cookie it's (laughs) unpleasant to go to the gym (laughs) now you learned how to do go to the gym because the medicine. Medical doctors tell you, hey, you need to go to the gym. Otherwise, you know, you're know you going to screw your body over. And you learned most likely how to not take that third chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> Some people didn't. That's why we have the obesity epidemic here in America. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the autopilot system and the intentional system. And, of course, they apply equally well to work. When you... Get constructive, critical feedback from your supervisor or from a client if you are the supervisor, if yeah. you're the boss. You don't feel good about it intuitively. You feel, oh no, that person's absolutely wrong. I'm right. That is the intuitive feeling. That's what's comfortable. It's comfortable to have that defensive response or the aggressive response. Right. That's the fight or flight, known as the fight or flight response. That's the where it comes from. So the background of this is that our autopilot system is, has not been evolved for the current environment. The amygdala is not evolved for the current environment. Mm-hmm. It's evolved for the savannah environment. When we lived in small tribes of 15 people to 150 people maximum, we are very tribally oriented and we have a very strong fight-or-flight response. A lot of these dangerous judgment errors, cognitive biases, come from these tribal responses where we like people who look like us and don't like people who don't look like us, like people who think like us, feel like us, and don't like those who don't. That's one aspect of tribalism. Now, of the fight-or-flight response, you know, we needed, our ancestors had to jump at a hundred shadows in order to get from that one, away from that one saber-toothed tiger, flee from it, or fight an opposing tribal member, which is attacked, who are attacking us. So that was very useful in Savannah, not so useful now. We don't right. have nearly as many saber-toothed tigers, but we still respond with a fight-or-flight response, with that stress response, with that aggression response when somebody gives us constructive critical feedback, unfortunately, or defensive response. So that's an example of how it applies to the workplace.
0: Got it. So let's let's move down a little bit, because you make a comment, and I want to ask you about this comment, and have you go, because it kind of connects to this. It was on page 26. You said, the bottom line is, you are not who you think you are. What do you, what do you mean when you say that?
1: We feel like we are the rational being. We feel like we are the intentional system. That's what it feels like. We like to think of ourselves as rational, logical beings in reality we are not we are overwhelmingly motivated by our emotions as i mentioned when we just go with the flow in our everyday life when we go on autopilot we are overwhelmingly the autopilot system we just can't sense it we can't feel it because what's going on in the autopilot system is hidden from view unless we really delve deep into us and take efforts so we can't understand and see why we're trying to get that third chocolate chip cookie? Mm-hmm. That's not intuitive to us. If right. we stopped and thought about it logically, we would be like, "Hmm, why am I? Do I really need that ch- third chocolate chip cookie? I mean, I enjoyed the first, two. I got the flavor in my mouth. You know, why do I need to stuff myself?" Right. But that's not what happens. We just go for it. We just you know, are we don't we don't even notice how our hand is reaching for that third chocolate chip cookie, you, you, or you know how yeah. we keep clicking on YouTube videos and you know <laughs> watching them for hours and end. Or maybe that's only me.
0: No, 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 so it's not. It's not only you because I, I I talk to people all the time. They go, yeah, I got sucked into YouTube for an hour and a half. You know, there you go. Same right? thing.
1: You got sucked into it.
0: And this is not
1: the thing is. There unfortunately, people kind of blame the YouTube. It's not the YouTube. It's you. (laughs) It's not the tube. It's you. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, that's it's your autopilot system that's causing you to do this, and we and we make the same bad decisions in our personal life. You know, with the YouTube and so on, as we make in a business environments, hmm. we we'll make the same terrible decisions in business environments and professional environments right. when we get sucked into arguments with colleagues that we don't need to have and we just get sucked into them. Or we get, you know, stuck in doing business analysis when that's not really the main thing that we should be doing at all. Right. When we should be looking at, a pro- at, at serious problems of the business, but we feel very uncomfortable looking... For problems in our business and so we much prefer to spend our time away from problems and in fact there was a really interesting study done by leadership iq of the 1087 board members who fired their ceos what they found was that One of the top reasons, top five reasons, over 20% of the CEOs who are fired, chief executive officers, were fired for denialism. Denialism, in this case, Mm -hmm. being one of the cognitive biases called specifically the ostrich Ostrich effect, effect. Mm -hmm. where we deny negative information about the company's performance, about our professional activities. Not that the CEOs were not, it's not like the CEO was just company performing badly and the CEO was fired because of that. No. If the CEO acknowledged the information that we find, the problem is that the CEO chose to not acknowledge the information, the negative information about the company's performance, ignored it, and that's why the CEOs were fired. So that's kind of how it applies to the business setting.
0: Got it. Uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Gleb Sapersky, uh, uh, his uh, book, Never Go With Your Gut, available at Amazon, bookstores near you. Uh, fabulous, fabulous book. Uh, in your book, you, there's, two, there's two things I want to do because I want to give you props where props are deserved. First of all, you, you make mention that there's over 100 cognitive biases that we mm-hmm. fall into are, and they fall into four general categories. Inaccurate evaluations of ourselves, our evalu, inaccurate evaluations of others, there's the Uh, inaccurate evaluations, the strategic evaluations of risks and rewards, and then there's the tactical evaluations that we fall prone to in in, uh, tactical evaluations and project implementation. Um, But what makes this book so different is that you have, for the first time, at least I can't find it uh, anywhere in literature, where you've identified 12 techniques that, uh, the reason that this book is so great is because you've actually developed 12 techniques to help address those cognitive biases, and mm-hmm. right, isn't it, is that? Am I wrong on that? That this is the first. I, I don't think there's a book out there that does that. That's, that's no, there is right.
1: no there is no book out there that does that. These techniques, just to be clear, these techniques were gathered from thick academic journal articles, academic articles which you know you can access for thirty dollars per pop, and mm-hmm. you know read through them, and right. they you can take out the techniques from there. So that's what I did. Fortunately, I had university access at the time, so I didn't need to pay $30 (laughs) per article. You can take a look at the citations in my book. You will see that there's hundreds and hundreds of academic articles that I read, you know, so that you don't have to. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and by the way, you know, both of us have been in the academic world and people don't understand how much, you know, especially those of us who've done research, they don't understand how much academic journal reading we have to do in order mm-hmm. to do our own research, and uh, you clearly have done that here. So instead of going through all 12 of these, which uh, we, I, I figure what we'll do is we'll start with Chapter 2, and we'll start going through a couple of these and uh, some of these uh, biases, and we'll work our way through, and then we'll attach your solutions to them. How's that sound? That sounds great to me. Okay, awesome. So Chapter 2, uh, and <laughs> I love the, I love your title, by the way. Who Wants to Be a Loser? <laughs> I, did, I, I said oh my gosh not only is he an academic he's funny And I, which, which by the way <laughs> it's not always the case by the way it's not always the case that you run across to academic people who are funny but you were, that was really funny and clever it was like who wants to be a loser well nobody does right and uh, so uh, one of the things is that we come across here I see this all the time and I can fall trapped to this too is loss aversion where, and this is a cognitive bias that where you know we want to hold on to something that we already have rather than taking a risk to you know, do something else, even though the, uh, that risk is maybe better. Um, so let's talk about loss aversion and you know like status quo bias, information bias, and maybe some of those biases and how loss aversion really can hurt ourselves and our business.
1: So loss aversion is one of the worst biases out there right now, especially. And this is why. Loss aversion has to do with our desire to avoid losing, causing us to kind of get into a turtle shell (laughs) and not change things. Status quo bias is very related. It's our desire to not change our current situation, partially because we're scared of the unknown. So status quo bias has to do with fear of ambiguity. Loss aversion has to do with fear of losses. So -hmm. they're kind of different fears. Sometimes they have the same impact. What that has to do with is, you know, in our current world, we are we have a lot of change going on. Mm-hmm. In the savannah environment, as you can imagine, there wasn't much change going on yeah. when we just lived in that tribe. It was very bad, in fact, for change to take place. It was very dangerous because our survival was very precarious and when we needed to gather more resources you know we we killed a mammoth and we can't use all that meat we can only eat so much right. and the rest will rot so we did not we were not evolved to invest into the future to like resources so to gather resources we were evolved to avoid lossing, to avoid risks that's our natural state so we are intuitively loss averse now this is a big problem in our current world which causes us to do make do a lot of mistake make a lot of mistakes because we have so much change in the current world right. there's so much transition transformation you know disruption 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 you hear that all the time well we don't like to adapt to disruption so for example when we have a good product going on and you know we have growth in the product one of the things that we don't tend to look for and we ignore to our peril is the fact that this product will eventually peter out in growth and it will become less and less profitable over time, especially as competitors catch up. So what companies should be doing, what leaders should be doing when they have a product going well, is starting to invest into another product, into a new product. And that's a lot of work and it's a lot of hassle and people don't like doing that. Just like Polaroid didn't like to invest into the digital cameras. And this is a huge problem, of course, because eventually we have to look, looking into the future, we know that that product that we launched is not going to be competitive we need to have a new product and we do and it's not intuitive and it's not comfortable at all to launch that new product And in general, so that's kind of one aspect of things. Another aspect of things is that we don't like to change in general. Let's say we need to get a new, I don't know, let's say um, computer database. This is something I work on often where computer databases is something that organizations really don't like to change. And those organizations lose a lot over time by not changing and modernizing their computer database, Mm -hmm. their email marketing. It's a hassle to do. It's a one-time big investment but it pays off a great deal over time. And it feels very uncomfortable to make that one-time investment. And that pays off a lot over time. So we tend not to make changes, whether to a profit, or to, whether to have more profits with a product or to address problems in the long term. And so we tend to stay in the status quo. We tend to stay where we are. Mm-hmm. You'll have a lot of problems with employees who don't like change when you want to bring about change. And that's kind of both because of loss aversion and because of the status quo bias because there's a lot of ambiguity around change they're not certain what's going to happen right. and they're holding on to what they have and they don't want to let it go so this is a big problem in business
0: right now. Yeah. Listen, uh, you just described, you just described really, <laughs> you described like three of them. Uh, in the, the outsider's of Tesco you talked about sunk cost bias, which is trying to hold on to initiatives and relationships that we invested in and their ROI has expired. You've talked about, you also brought in their endowment effect which is mm-hmm. which is really the computer right we we placed a value on the products that we already own thinking that yes but we don't realize their diminished values though, the you had a subtitle though in this chapter called my baby is the most beautiful baby <laughs> <laughs> which i just loved and mm-hmm. but i loved cuz i didn't know this one i did, this was one i didn't know the ikea effect mm-hmm. where we tend to value too much what we ourselves create in comparison to how much it is actually worth in the open market. Talk about that for a little bit.
1: Yes, well well here this is a really interesting one and it's called the IKEA effect of course because of IKEA furniture where people who build for <laughs> a lot of studies have been shown that people who build their own furniture overvalue the furniture. Same thing happens mm. in companies. I've seen a lot of companies that build their own off that they, they build their own database systems for various goals and once they outgrow them they need to go to an off-the-shelf enterprise system and they're very reluctant to do so because this is their baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know they know how the system works they created it they feel good about it and they don't want to mature and grow to the next stage same thing happens with products i mean businesses very often ask for too much, business owners, when they're trying to sell their business, when they think, you know, the typical selling price of a business uh, for, I'll give some bad news to business owners, is two to three times profit. So again, two to three times profit, annual profit. And a lot of people ask for, you know, 10 times profit, five times profit, 10 times profit. That's crazy. Nobody will pay pay that. And they cause themselves a great deal of damage by having these unrealistic expectations. Yeah. So people have very unrealistic expectations if they're emotionally attached to something and we talked about emotions, right? right? This is another this is all about emotions and the emotion here is emotional investment. We feel emotionally attached to something we create much more you know if somebody's i mean if somebody sews a knit or knits a hat they feel much more emotionally attached to it uh, than a knit cap hat from somebody else just because of the effort put into it so we don't think about how much it will actually be worth on right. the open market and the same thing goes the other way if we there's a, another bias called the not invented here effect right where if we don't <laughs> if something if some good idea has been created somewhere else we tend to undercount how valuable that idea is right. for incorporating into our own activities unfortunately because you know it wasn't invented here i don't care about it
0: <laughs> right that's so true it's so true hey we're here with uh, dr gleb Sapersky uh He's got this great book, Never Go With Your Gut. And you're, you're, I mean, he's fun and he, but the book is amazing and it's really going to open your eyes into your own biases and especially in your business. And uh, we're, we're, we're just into, Pretty much this chapter two, and just going over a few of these things. And he's going to be with us here for a little while longer, so stay tuned. Hey, by the way, did you know that the new new direction, a new direction, is got a new sponsor, and our sponsor is new sponsor is Epic Physical Therapy. And here's the here is really really something cool. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life, right? Whether you're athlete or non-athlete, look, whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery, suffering everyday aches and pains, um, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Epic Physical Therapy offers literally the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment, including the Alter-G Anti-Gravity Treadmill, Normatech Compression Sleeves, and Game Ready, just to name a few. They are trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available when it comes to physical therapy, including some things like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping, you've probably seen that on the swimmers of our Olympic team as well, you know what? That's just a few of the things that they do, but they are outstanding. When it comes to epic physical therapy, here's what you can expect epic relief, epic recovery, epic results. You can learn more by going to epicpt.com. That's E P I C P T.com. And also, Linda Craft and Team Realtors, located in Raleigh, North Carolina, in the Research Triangle Park. But they help people all over the world. They. They are literally the legends of customer service. They've been around for 35 years. They continue to be going strong. Uh, they, I think one of the differences is, you know what? They don't go with their gut. <laughs> they really do take a look at what they're doing. And because they're always trying to find a way to improve, to make themselves better, but to really, really improve their customer service and find out what the consumer really wants and needs. And that's why they stay at the top of their game year after year. And so if you want to learn more about them, why not go to lindacraft.com or you can go to, you know, if you're in the Triangle area, why not go to 7306 Forks Road and I promise you if you walk in the door, they're probably going to hand you a bottle of water. I'm just telling you, that's just what they'll do. As soon as you walk in the door, they'll go, hey, how about a bottle of water? So that's what they're going to do there. So why don't you check them out? Why not go to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A, C-R-A-F-T.com and we appreciate them uh, sponsoring the show. And we're back here with uh, Dr. Gleb Sapersky, Never Go With Your Gut, is the name of the book, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid uh, Business Disasters. But I would also add to it, not just avoid business disasters, but how to avoid life disasters, because he certainly has done that. So, uh, Gleb, before we we, uh, left there for a second, we just got finished talking uh, briefly through um, loss aversion. So how do we solve that problem now? Okay, so now we know that we've got these, uh, we've got these cognitive biases, these emotional biases. Uh, we've talked about IKEA effect, not invented here, endowment, sunk cost, information, status quo. Now how do how do I combat that? It depends on, of course, which ones you're
1: combating. So for example. For the IKEA effect or the not invented here effect, we talked about the 12 techniques to address dangerous judgment errors, and you can apply a combination of these techniques to each one. So, for those, what you want to do is Consider other people's perspectives because the problem, the huge problem with the IKEA effect and the, not invented here is that you're coming from the inside view. You want to go to the outside view. Get somebody else's perspective. So what? you don't have to actually talk to other people if you're social recluse. <laughs> mm. If you don't actually have to talk to other people, just imagine what they would say. What is the price actually right. of the knit cap on the open market, what is the actual price? Of, I mean, this is something I had to talk a lot of my coaching clients through. What is the actual price going to be of your business on the open market if when you're deciding mm-hmm. to sell it? it's not going to be five times as as much as you want it to be five times. That's not what it's going to be. It's going to be two to three times. So what you need to do in this case, if you actually want to maximize the price, is to wait for a couple of years to maximize profit on the business and then so that your profit is going to be higher than it has been in the last year or two and then sell it. So that's kind of the way you're going to be thinking about that sort of issue. What is going to be the actual external perspective how will other people perceive it same thing for not invented here you might undercount something that's invented elsewhere but how would it be perceived mutually objectively out there how would other people think about it so right. that's the perspective on that one now for something else let's say for uh, for loss aversion or the status quo bias right. those the thing that is really important there is to make probabilistic thinking right. probabilistic thinking has to do and with Thinking in probabilities, not thinking, you know, black or white, uh, you know, yes yeah. or no, but thinking what is the actual likelihood of what will happen in the future. So you don't want to be low, you don't want to avert, avoid losses, you don't want to, well, you want to avoid losses, but you don't, you want to have the appropriate probabilities on w- what kind of risks you should take. So the risk that I gave with a previous example of a product becoming less profitable over time What is the probability that that will occur there is a very high probability that that will occur and will probably occur much sooner than you intuitively think because your competitors if you actually have a profitable product your competitors will come in and try to undercut you pretty quickly i mean for those people who let's say watch shark tank (laughs) that's a good show (laughs) and that you know one of the big things that the shark tank investors ask which a lot of the people unfortunately who are in front of them don't have an answer for is what will happen if a competitor tries to knock off your product Mm -hmm. and they don't in entrepreneurs they don't think about this stuff even middle market companies that have a hundred people to a thousand people they often don't think about this they don't think about competitors nearly enough and in reality it will happen. The, the probability is that something will happen pretty quickly, much quicker than you think to knock off your product, so you better start investing into your next product, something that's ahead of your competitors. So those, that's, those are kind of two examples of what are the probabilities on the future, how can you estimate them, how can you take an external perspective. Another one, considering the long-term future and the repeated scenarios, so think about the long-term future the status quo bias is really big for this one to address the status quo bias which is the reluctance to change where you want to just stay where you are you want to think about the long-term future in the context of today's world which is increasingly disrupted increasingly increasingly unlike yesterday you know where your parents could have worked for a company their whole lives completely impossible today almost impossible unless it's the government (laughs) so You are not going to be in the same spot tomorrow as you are today. So you want to think about the long-term future and you want to change much quicker than seems intuitive to you. So you want to change to that new database much quicker than seems intuitive to you because you will gain so much in the future. So let's say it costs you, you know, three months, let's just say three months of time and effort and the accompanying amount of money, and you will gain Each year, you will gain two weeks from that benefit. That means that you will get back that time in six years. Mm. And then, of course, you will reap the future benefits of this needed database going forward. So it's a very wise investment of time and efforts to switch to new databases, especially from a database you built yourself. So getting rid of that IKEA effect. So those are a couple of ways that you would use these 12 techniques. And we're not talking about specific decision-making techniques of the five questions or the eight uh, steps to address major decisions. We're right. just talking about specific cognitive biases that you would fight with specific debiasing techniques that are customized to each cognitive
0: bias. Yes, and, and I think that's really important that you do in the book is that you go through these different cognitive biases that we all have. By the way, by the way, the, the, there are so many. We are the, we're not even going to get through even a quarter of the ones that he's covered that are some of the big ones like. Being in denial, confirmation bias, belief bias, the ostrich effect, which you heard him talk about, normalcy bias, uh, self-serving bias. My, one of my favorites is called illusory correlation or the illusory truth effect. It's one of my favorites, by the way, <laughs> because, folks, we, we are the, we are the kings and queens of illusory correlation. We we think that if something happens one time, it's gonna happen every time. We just we we just are so biased in that. The fundal attribution error where we we attribute some personality defect to somebody because on the basis of one thing where we, we have a problem. But he, he has he applies in every situation to each one of these how to overcome this bias and it, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I wanna get though to uh, a place, Gleb that you do something that I, I started using as soon as I read the book. And, and it, it's called, how and, and, and it's under the heading of um, making predictions about the future. And it's how to address a situation when someone is really biased. And it's called the e-grip technique. Mm. And um, I really, I started using this immediately, I mean immediately when somebody was so, had, was so caught up in their bias That Mm -hmm. it really, really works. So, do you think in do you think in about oh I don't know do you do you think we can uh, get through this in about three to four minutes the e grip?
1: I think we can without a specific case study definitely. Okay. So without a case study we can. So e grip, you know, and this is one of those fascinating things that once you learn about it it becomes obvious but before you learn about it it's like duh (laughs) right usually we solve our problems our conflicts our disagreements through argument that's what people typically do they argue with each other now how often has arguing worked for you to actually convince somebody to change their mind it unfortunately doesn't work that's what Mm -hmm. the research shows arguing overwhelmingly doesn't work to change people's minds because arguing causes triggers the fight-or-flight response so somebody becomes either combative towards you arguing back or they don't argue but they shut down inside and they ignore you so that's the two major consequences of argument so you're not actually convincing somebody to change their mind you're just causing more tensions between yourselves through the fight-or-flight response Instead, what you can do is convince them to change their minds, especially if they're being irrational, if they have a clear belief that's opposition with reality. So, for example, what I mentioned earlier uh, with with leaders who are not willing to acknowledge a problem in the organization or a bad hire or something like that. And the same thing, of course, applies to your uncle Bob, who (laughs) has some ridiculous thoughts about, you know, I don't know, some UFO that landed in his backyard or something like that. (laughs) So, or anything like that. Uh, So what you do is you think about e-grip, emotions, goals, rapport, information, positive reinforcement. The first thing you need to do is figure out what your uncle Bob or, you know, CEO Mary, (laughs) why they're having the negative emotions. Why are they having negative emotions? Because these are the emotions that impede them from seeing reality. We would all be seeing reality clearly if we didn't have some emotions that impede us from seeing reality clearly that come from our autopilot system, this emotional system that causes us to ignore reality. So what are their emotions? What do they feel? You know, maybe Mary feels that if she acknowledges the business not going well, then that means she's a bad CEO because she led to the situation. That's a very, very common situation. Or Uncle Bob will feel that he's not special if the aliens didn't find in his backyard, for example, or whatever. (laughs) So, then, what are their goals? What do they want to achieve? You know, Mary wants to see herself as a strong CEO. You know, maybe she's recently hired or something like that. You know, Bob wants to be special, presumably, or something like that. So, whatever, what are their goals? Then, you build up rapport. You build up a relationship around their goals. You say, you know, Mary, totally understand well, that you know, you want to be a strong CEO, and it's great. You're clearly a strong CEO. That's wonderful. You talk about the things that they want, and you know, Bob is special, or whatever. So talk about whatever they want. Build a rapport. Then give them information that goes against only at this stage, you know, not the beginning, not the argument right. stage. You start giving them information that challenges their worldview while still fitting their emotions and goals, because it's much more important for them to have positive emotions and achieve their goals than to have a specific worldview that or then to believe in a specific fact that may be irrational so you know mary you can show her how and this is actually a lot of evidence shows that the strongest CEOs change their minds based on new evidence based on new information and they come out stronger as a result of overcoming adversity and so that's that's a big thing that strong leaders do there is a lot of research on that you know Bob whatever it may be of relevance to him finally once Mary and Bob change their minds you want to give them positive reinforcement that's the P of e so emotions goals rapport information positive reinforcement tell Mary how wonderful she is for changing her mind that's a sign of big strength same thing for Bob you know changing his mind about aliens landing in, in his backyard it's a sign of strength so Yep. That's the technique that you
0: want to use instead of arguing to deal with someone who is irrational. Yep. And this is this is the problem, I think uh Gleb is that we have a tendency, and this is why I love this. We have a tendency when we're trying to break somebody's bias because they're biased on one side, we just jump right to the information. Yep. We 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 skip the fact that we're not trying to figure out what their emotions are. You know, we're not trying to figure out where that we're not, we're not really understanding what their real goals are. And then we, and of course we all talk about rapport as being a good thing, but we don't do it because we're too busy (laughs) jumping into doing information. And then by the way, and here's the other thing that I thought you did so beautifully here is not only. Do we present the information? Once we presented it for you, we go there, take that, and then we leave. And the the, the truth is, there is a positive reinforcement piece that is really, really important to all of this.
1: Absolutely.
0: To do. And so uh, the book, the book again, Gleb, the book is great, and I I love the book. It's outstanding. And people, I'm just telling you, you need to really get this book. Listen to the book. Read it on Kindle. Get the CDs. I don't. It's just get it because it's going to be so helpful. I have found it helpful. I've taken over 10 pages of notes on this book and it's uh, absolutely fabulous. It's going to be one that sits at the very top of my bookshelf uh, because it's going to be a reference guide uh, helping me uh, understand my own biases. Gleb, you know what? We've done this for almost an hour, believe it or not, and it's gone really, really fast, man. Yeah. Um, And I've, I've really enjoyed it. Me too. Me too. It's
1: yeah. always great to talk to someone who understands the importance of this stuff and is willing to face their own
0: biases and overcome them. That's wonderful. Yeah, well, I do have my uh, – trust me, Gleb. I, if there's hundred over 100, I may have 101 uh, <laughs> uh, of them. So every time on the show, Gleb, I ask my friends because you're no longer a guest. You're a friend of the show. I always ask my friends before we close the show, if you could give people, if Gleb Sapersky, author of Never Go With Your Gut, could give the listeners a new direction in their life or their career or their business based on Never Go With Your Gut, what would Gleb Sapersky, Dr. Gleb Sapersky say?
1: I would tell them to avoid what feels comfortable because we all tend to go with what feels comfortable you know water flows downhill you've heard that right. we go with what feels comfortable very often that's going to be the worst thing for you to do you want to go outside of your comfort zone to in order to match your goals to actually get to where you want to go go against the flow sometimes and do the counterintuitive. Effective, strategic, evidence-based thing. Don't eat the dozen donuts. Now go to the gym. Use these techniques that I'm talking about here to make the best decisions for your business, for your family, for your health, for everything. And that's how you'll get the new direction that you need in order to
0: succeed in life. Wow! I couldn't. Okay, folks, you know that we don't. You know, I never tell my guests what's about to happen, right? Could it be any better than that? I think not. I, he was absolutely genius. Folks, it's the show. I just want to say to everybody, thank you so much for listening. Listen, uh, we are we are almost at our 40th country around the world that listens to the show on a regular basis, and I just want to thank the world for downloading and listening to the show. Uh, it's such an honor to be sitting with you wherever you're at, whether you're in France or India or Finland or Poland or hung- Hungary or Italy or Ireland. Uh, Australia, I am so grateful to all of you who listen around the world. And of course, this country of ours in the United States, thank you for everybody for being so supportive and listening to the show. The show doesn't happen without you, so thank you so much. Folks, I'm going to be back next week with another great guest. But you know what I say to you? You know what? Be inspired because when you're inspired, that can inspire other people. And when they are inspired, they in turn can inspire others. And that can make this world a really great place. I look forward to seeing you next week, next time. Stay listening. Tell your friends. Ciao, everybody. answers don't make sense got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive this is your